Welcome to the Loop Podcast. I'm your host John Berg, and I'm delighted to be joined by my guest Amy, Marketing Director at Benevity. How are you, Amy? Hi, John Berg. I'm good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you, and thank you for joining today. And you are actually one of my most interesting guests because normally I invite people. Uh, for marketing SaaS vertical or sales SaaS vertical, but when we think of Benevity, actually the business model is different. The target audience is different, and uh, I would like to hear more about it. Like I would like to hear more about what Benevity is doing and who is your target audience and how does it work? Yeah, sure. So. So Benevity is a is a B Corp, and um, we are uh, it's, it's a software that really companies can use to have a positive impact on society and engage their employees. And what that really means is we basically offer volunteering uh, opportunities for people, um, ways to donate money, um, and for companies to make larger donations to support their local communities as well. And we also offer ways for people to make uh, a positive imp- impact daily in small kind of micro actions. Um, and then we also have a, a tool um, to support employee resource groups uh, for them to kind of manage their communities, host events, share content. Um, and so our solution kind of uh, encompasses all those different products. And um, and yeah, the, the business um, is, is really interesting because kind of where we're helping drive companies to be, um, you know, purpose driven, not only looking at profit, but looking at how do we, how as a company, do we have a more positive impact on on society as well? And, you know, there are um, stats out there to prove the, the business value as well. So some of our clients have seen increase in, in belonging, for example, uh, with kind mm-hmm. of people that use their our software. So they kind of track uh, engagement with their employees and, and one of them saw a 10% increase in belonging. Um, we also see lower attrition rates, um, higher recognition at work, for example, um, better promotion odds and things like that. So yeah, um, it's kind of uh, an interesting uh, software that maybe not many companies are, are aware of and and, uh, and yeah, it's it's great to, to be a part of it and uh, see it growing uh, in momentum as well. Uh, in terms of growing, uh, when did you join the company and how many people there were in the company when you first joined? Yeah, so I actually joined the company around just over three years ago. I was part of a smaller organization called Alaya, which was at that point, um, we were about 30 people uh, and we were doing something similar um, and uh, I was the kind of head of marketing at, at that organization. Um, I joined when we were about maybe 15 people um, and then in December 2021 we joined Benevity um, and we were acquired and so I've been with Benevity for yeah just over just nearly two years um, and helping oversee our international growth um, through our marketing so so yeah. And how many people there are uh, in the company and how many people there are in marketing? Yeah, we have around 800, just over 800 people globally. Um, and then in marketing, we have about 50, 54 people. 
um, and it's kind of split across different um, uh, departments. We've tried to um, group it into brand and creative, demand generation, client marketing, communications and content, and then also product marketing, which sits in, in the product team, um, but we're closely working with them. Um, and yeah, our goal is to kind of really help grow our, our revenue, our, um, support our clients in their growth as well, and, and support with retention and adoption um, across those different teams. Um, and so, yeah, I can go into a bit of detail into each one, if that would be... I would love it. Um, so, yeah, the demand gen team is really um, what we can talk about more today as well, is, is how do we help grow our net new uh, revenue across our different markets? Um, but then also, how do we grow our current client uh, base as well and help to, to grow um, the clients that we already have and help them, you know, see what other products might help them in their social impact journey. Um, and so within that, um, we kind of look at it in three core areas, um, which you probably heard before. So demand creation, demand capture and demand conversion um, and trying to see, OK, at the top of the funnel, how do we really create interest and educate the market to want a product like what we're offering what's the business value um, that companies can see from that um, we've also seen um, an interesting kind of shift and, and many companies uh, are talking in, about this and seeing it as well where the buying committee is getting larger the buying committee is involving more senior leadership and so we need to make sure that they're also understanding the business value um, and that we're educating them as well so we do you know things like paid social events um, and on the demand capture side um, we're really looking at how do we make sure that with our outbound BDR team that we are focused on accounts that are within our ICP they have maybe already shown intent um, or they are at least kind of um, the right fit for what we're offering and making sure that we are constantly on top of that because obviously the ICP changes, right? Um, it's not ideal to, to have a look at the beginning of the year and then say, this is our ICP, and then we don't look at it again. So we're trying to make sure that we look at that more regularly. Uh, and then our BDR team are able to bring in, you know, high quality demos and um, and that the sales cycle can be, can be shorter, ideally. Um, so yeah, those are kind of some of the things on the capture side. And then on the conversion side is how do we support the sales team to to close as well. So um, we've been hosting some kind of breakfasts, we call them, um, in different cities mm. around Europe where we kind of find a, a location, um, we set up the, the venue and have, um, and we help with the content as well. And so then the sales team, all they need to do is bring their, their, their contacts that they're, they're speaking to, ideally late stage, that just kind of need a bit more support in the in the process and you know want to learn a bit more and also meet with other CSR professionals um, and we've seen that really help kind of um, improve those conversion rates of, of some of the deals that that we have in in pipeline and um, yeah just that face-to-face -face makes a huge difference right as well so so that's kind of some things we're doing on the pipeline conversion uh, side and then in client marketing, it's a lot about engaging our clients and helping make sure that they understand how to use the platform, how they can get the most out of it, um, educating yeah, them on, on our latest resources, helping them to 
also understand yeah what products that they can also be benefiting from that maybe they're not uh, looking at today um, and then in the content and communications we're looking at thought leadership how do we um, create reports we have a large client base of, of nearly a thousand clients so we have a lot of data to be able to say you know this is the trends that we're seeing this is what um, you know can help you in your programs mm -hmm. and so um, that team kind of really focuses on building these reports and sharing them with the market and with our, our clients as well. Um, we also have a labs team that's super focused on, you know, unpacking that data, seeing the trends, being connected with the industry and helping formulate those reports as well. And then we also have the brand team who's really owning our identity and, and our, our brand tone. And they also lead our conference in San Diego, which happens every year, our kind of flagship event um, with, I think there's like more than 500 people go to that. Um, and then we also have product marketing, which is obviously owning our core messaging, owning our um, product positioning, our competitive intelligence and, and all of that and helping when we have new products, rolling it out, enabling the teams and, and yeah, so that's kind of an overview. So like, I have been taking notes uh, for all along and I have actually a lot of questions in terms of this structure because it actually not only sounds like a marketing but also sounds like a whole growth function. Like there's the upsell part of it. Uh, normally, in some of the companies there in the uh, under the CSM function, there is the retention part of it on the client marketing side. Uh, like it's actually not only on the uh, acquisition and activation side, but it actually gets all of the AR side. Uh, in terms of, for example, upselling. How would you define which your of your customers will need upselling or will might might be interested in upselling? Yeah, I would say it's definitely a work in progress. By the way, you know we're we're like we're trying to see the whole go to market function as not just looking at our individual areas of I need to generate a new pipeline, mm -hmm. um, but it's like what does the business need? Where's the most opportunity? So. So yeah, for, for upsell, it's kind of supporting um, our, our CSMs or our client um, account managers and to kind of understand, you know, what products we, do we have, what content can we help uh, share with your clients. So we've done some kind of paid social advertising based on, okay, these clients have these products, um, but they don't have these. So let's, you know, uh, share some content with them about these other products. Um, also kind of webinars that are targeted around certain products um, and yeah just kind of enabling the CSMs to identify okay these are clients that maybe have um, these products they have a happiness score um, a certain happiness score or NPS and they're in a good moment to kind of have these discussions so I think it's definitely a work in progress but um, but yeah there's some of the things that we're we're trying and like i love the idea like i love marketing owning every journey like honestly i just uh, love the idea and when we consider the whole marketing team uh what are the success metrics what are the general success metrics for the marketing team yeah so i think um 
it depends which which part we're looking at, but at the end of the day, the most important one is is ARR and how we're supporting with with either generating new ARR or retention and growth um, of our existing clients. So that's the kind of the one that we're all looking at. Um, but then splitting it down into the marketing um, functions, um, we kind of split them by those three um, buckets, like we were talking about the demand creation, capture and conversion, just so that we can make sure, and also looking at net new as well as, as client expansion. So just making sure that we're not forgetting, you know, oh, how are we creating demand mm -hmm. for our current clients as well as how are we creating demand for net new um, clients as well. So within demand creation, we're looking at high intent um, demo requests coming in. Um, they're obviously the ones that have the highest pipeline conversion rate later through the funnel. So we're trying to track and make sure that that's the, the highest quality pipeline we're bringing in. Um, we're also looking at net new pipeline. Um, and we're also in the process of starting to split out our pipeline by um, not only we have the source, you know, the, the last touch source and, you know, where did they, um, the first touch source, sorry, where did they originally come in, but really understanding, okay, what was, what was actually bringing them into a, a, the, the website in the first place? Uh, how did they hear about us? So um, I'm sure you've heard of this, but, you know, we're trying to work with, um, uh, with Gong to kind of use their AI tool to pull in, okay, we're hearing mm -hmm. that when the sales team are asking, how did you hear about us? Um, they're talking about, you know, I heard your podcast or a friend recommended to me or someone at this company recommended to me or I saw something on LinkedIn and then kind of be able to categorize those answers and pull them into Salesforce so that then we can say from these pipeline sources, you know, the conversion rates are X. Um, and so we're trying to kind of map that out right now, but that's the goal. Um, and then on the capture side, we're looking at outbound SALs from our uh, demos booked from our BDR team and from those, the accounts that are showing high intent. Um, ideally, you know, we use ZoomInfo, for example, and, and Cognizant to help kind of identify some of those uh, intent signals um, and then focus on those. Um, and then demand conversion. So we're looking at sales cycle, um, you know, um, conversion rates from demo to close one. Um, and, and then on the expansion side, we're looking at net new pipeline for cross-sell and upsell. Um, so yeah, there's some of the metrics that we're focused on. I love the whole structure. Again, like uh, not only focusing on one metric, but focusing on multiple metrics. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you think all of the metrics, they actually serve to one uh, metric. Uh, and in terms of how did you hear us uh, part, the self-reported part, is there a reason that you are not asking this on your website, but you are doing this uh, in the sales calls? So we do ask it on the website. So we have a, a form uh, field where, where we're asking for that, but we find that the sales you know, team can really get a bit more information out of that you know, and can kind of add to the data. So we often see answers like, I heard about you on Google, and it's like, well, uh, what was your process? Were you searching for a CSR software or were you looking for Benevity? Did you know us already? So we can get a bit more um, quality information, I suppose, on the, on the source of how people really heard about us. Um, so, yeah. 
Now, when you were mentioning uh, what the marketing team is doing, you said events and breakfast. Uh, and in terms of events, how do you track, how do you measure the success? Yeah, so it's not straightforward as you can imagine um, because obviously we have, depending on the event, some, some events are more focused on you know, existing opportunities and so for those ones we're really looking at um, the, the sales cycle and the stage uh, changes of the opportunities. So maybe when they came to the event they were a stage three opportunity um, but then after the event they moved to a stage four, for example. Um, or if the deal deal size changed um, after the event because of you know oh we realized another product would be of interest as well and add that into the mix so um, so yeah we're looking at that for our kind of breakfasts that are supporting our pipeline conversion um, and then on our other events that we do across Europe um, we're also looking at kind of net new um, opportunities so. Um, you know, net new pipeline that, that came from those. Um, and then we're also looking at, obviously, bookings at the end of the day as well and how many of those um, actually uh, came into the funnel and signed. And then also, um, what was the sales cycle? Was it reduced by, for those that come to events, is it reduced? So it's not 100% straightforward because the sources, you, you know, often not the event, it might have been something else um, and that, you know, you're, we're trying to understand, okay, how much did it influence the opportunity? Um, but yeah, they're kind of the key metrics we look at. Got it. And it sounds like there's a lot of different experiments going on. Like there's a lot of different strategies. There's a lot of different stuff that you are testing. Is there a experiment that you were very optimistic, but just didn't work out? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, that question, because last week, I think it was, our uh, Benevity actually hosted a um, an F-word, all hands, so all about failure and, you know, people sharing their examples of, of failures, basically, just to kind of reinforce the, the, you know, that people can make mistakes and that it's, you know, build that psychological safety. And it's based on the concept of fuck-up nights. I'm not sure if you've seen those um, where people share their, their yeah. stories of failure. So um, the one that I shared uh, there was about um, a couple of years ago, I'd um, we had tried to create a community of, of CSR professionals, basically. Uh, we kind of identified... Mm -hmm that there was a gap in the market, there was a like an industry report that came out that said, you know, there's there's kind of a need and desire uh, in the market for a community. And so we thought, well, okay, let's, you know, not only can this be great for for the for the people to be able to connect with each other and share best practices, but also for us to kind of use that content and create a flywheel for kind of creating educational content for paid social, other channels. Um, and so we had this kind of idea to interview people, bring them in, um, you know, create a podcast, have a Slack community. Um, and where we started was kind of with the interviews. We built a kind of a little mini website where, where every person had their profile page with, you know, their story. And we wanted to focus on the people, not the, the companies as well, like to really, you know, make it more about the people. Um, for kind of that network sharing effect afterwards. 
Um, but it just didn't really take off, basically. Um, and I think there are a few reasons for that. Um, I think we didn't probably have enough resources to kind of really uh, go full funnel in uh, full force into the you know the Slack community to manage all of that and really keep it engaged, uh, and also kind of the uh, the podcast part as well. Um, and then when we kind of joined with Benevity, there was also quite a few um, ways that we could be more efficient. Like we don't need a separate podcast, we don't need a separate community, and so we kind of. We, we kind of, my failure was that we went on a bit too long with that one, um, even after, and um, we should have just kind of cut it a bit sooner, um, but I was kind of attached to it, and I thought, you know, this is going to work, so that was one example where I learned no when to quit, basically. And what was that point that you realized that, okay, it needs to be paused, it needs to be stopped? I mean, I think there were several points, like there were points where I'd doubted it and, you know, a couple of team members were saying, I really don't think this, you know, is taking off and maybe we should put resources to other things. And I was a bit, you know, I think, you know, let's just give it a bit more time and, you know, um, and then there was a point where I kind of saw the synergies of, of using, you know, um, our Benevity podcast, for example, and using our the community that, that we were building there and kind of we could get the same idea and same kind of goal that we were trying to achieve with tools that we already had and that we didn't need this whole other um, like website to maintain and all those other things. So um, I kind of at that point realized actually let's simplify and let's just um, cut our losses there. Um, and then another experiment that we tried that was just a very kind of a small thing is that we tried performance max on Google ads on some of our Google ads campaigns and our inbound um, requests, demo requests just dropped massively and it continued like that for weeks. Um, and it was really bizarre, but we didn't, yeah, we didn't really know what happened because we gave the algorithm time to kind of adjust and relearn and, you know, it just didn't come back. And so we, had to switch it off eventually and then you know we, we spoke to google and other kind of our agency <laughs> and no one really knew what happened but it just it was an experiment and it didn't work so <laughs> yeah the google reps uh yeah i just don't even respond to them uh yeah like literally every other google rep says the same thing it's try pmax and that it doesn't work and they're like oh i don't know why it doesn't work <laughs> Um, but it was strange because it was working in some other regions that we were, and it was working there. But and we thought, oh, let's try it in this other market, and it just didn't didn't work at all. So, um, but yeah, we've got to try at least. And when uh, you were talking about the first experiment, the community one, you said something uh, that was really interesting: the industry report. So you read this industry report, and you realized that okay, there's a need. Uh, what was that report like? Did you get that report created? I don't know by working with Gartner or Forrester, or uh, did you find that report in somewhere else? Because it sounds like a really to the point industry report. Yeah, it was actually it's a report that's run by um, a body called Realized Worth, and they are very focused on the social impact space, and so they do an annual report. Uh, where they um, interview a lot of players in the market of social impact and they 
um, have also a lot of um, data as well through their network and so they um, they put together this report it's it's pretty like the, there was no collaboration on it so it was quite um, neutral in that respect so it was kind of uh, yeah it's always super interesting to see the insights that come from that because it's it's quite neutral and uh, yeah it has uh, some interesting yeah like as soon as you talked about it uh, it felt it felt like so to the point yeah I mean they it was I remember the section in the report it was just like they're based on our results there is a need for a community and there is a, a um, appetite an appetite for for ways to connect with other people within um, within the CSR space and obviously in the spirit of demand generation and that kind of really aligned at that time as well with you know not just producing leads on paid social and MQLs but really like bring people together educate the market provide them with opportunities to connect with each other and and learn through themselves as well um, so yeah but we're achieving it in in other ways so and speaking of these experiments, if you are given $1 million this month, what would you do? <laughs> well, firstly, I would um, celebrate because that's great news. Um, and then I would um, probably, um, I would probably look at what we're trying to achieve right now as a business. Like what, what, where are we struggling? Where are we? You know, where are there opportunities that we haven't yet tapped into or that we're trying but we're lacking resources? So I'd probably um, connect with the different go-to-market functions across marketing, CS, sales, product and try and see, okay, what other areas that we might see some, some quick wins with some added resource and budget or some longer-term wins that we've wanted to start that we haven't had a chance or we haven't had the resource or budget before obviously then I would kind of look at what are those things and try not to spread it too thin across um, you know multiple different things but also probably not put it all into one um, one specific thing just um, just in case that's not the the we don't see the success we're looking for but um, I probably look at kind of market research as well which markets are we maybe needing a bit more information about you know, the, the, the buyer or even uh, the awareness of the product in the market that we can then feed back to our product team and, um, and adapt our go-to-market uh, accordingly as well. Um, and then probably also um, in terms of our kind of partnerships, maybe there was a partnership that we wanted to do in a specific market that we now have the opportunity to do or sponsor a podcast or run a campaign that you know we think will have a big impact but we just didn't have the resource to do it before and so I guess it will be split once we know those key areas split by um, you know is it is it more headcount or is it spend on campaign or is it a tool that we need to implement um, that we didn't have the budget for before um, and then yeah just try not to spread too thin but but yeah, that's kind of my approach I would take. Uh, would you go back to that comment experiment? Uh, which, the the community one? Yeah. <laughs> well, probably not because... Since that you will have the budget now. 
Um, because we found other ways to engage the community and we already, we have a great podcast um, called The Social Impact Show. So we kind of have found that that's a better way to achieve what we were trying to do. And um, we also have these events that we're hosting that we weren't doing back a couple of years ago uh, when we were um, a smaller team. So those are really kind of community building opportunities as well. So I probably wouldn't go back to, to that one now. I've, I've learned my lesson, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, I just love the idea. Like, I honestly love the idea. Maybe it was based on a proper report. Like, it was not only a, a hunch feeling, but it was actually on a report. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I just love the idea. And uh, the other thing I'd like to ask, as we discussed before, like when you joined uh, the company, there were like 15 people. Now there's almost 1,000 people. It is a multinational company with a huge marketing team. And you've been there for a long time. So when we uh, look at the last two years, what would you say uh, change in digital marketing? And what are the things uh, that you used to do well uh, like two years ago? And what are uh, the th things that wouldn't work now? Yeah, I, I think um, I think a lot has changed, as I'm sure you you've seen as well. Um, over the last well, ten fifteen years, a lot has changed, and it keeps changing as well. I always try to listen to podcasts like this one and and others, and try to stay up to date with what's changing and the trends because it's it feels like there's always something happening. But um, <clears throat> a couple of things that come to mind are. I think specifically in the B2B context, kind of that shift away from marketing has their own MQL target and we're just trying to produce leads. And, you know, as I think many companies for a while, there was a playbook that kind of worked quite well that involved kind of get your blog content, you know, make sure you have a good website, which is still important, but um, produce eBooks and generate MQLs. And, you know, and that was kind of the, and that was kind of, you didn't have to necessarily um, look beyond that. Whereas now I think um, when demand isn't as high as, as it has been, um, you have to look at what's the opportunity out there. So I think it's something like 90 or more percent of demand that exists for your product is not in your CRM and it's not within your, you know, um, what you have. And so it's kind of how do you tap into that, especially in times where, uh, demand has dropped and so I think um, really shifting again to that demand creation um, and really educating people to understand the value how you know how it can help bring help them in their role um, and then make sure that that message is adapted to the different personas within the company so you know a benefit of Benevity to a social impact manager is going to be different to the CFO um, and so trying to make sure that that message is, is resonating. Um, so I'd say that's a big shift, like attribution, it used to be all about generate leads um, and the, the first touch or last touch, depending on your model, was the source and that was kind of where you then invest, like that might be organic or Google ads or whatever. Um, whereas I think, yeah, now we know that there's much more to it and we need to try and get better at understanding that attribution and the original source, understanding what was the actual source. Somebody saw an ad, heard about it through a friend, saw an event, um, you know, attended a webinar maybe, and then 
they actually came and requested a demo on a Google ad like and clicked on an ad and so the source might look like an ad but actually it was something else um, and so I think that's the shift I've seen over the last few years and then obviously um, AI is a huge one I think that's um, changing everything and I I, I often think of the phrase of, um, I don't think, it's not AI that will replace people's jobs in the short term, but it's people that use AI uh, will, yeah, yeah. you know, be the ones um, who are at the forefront. So, yeah, I think we're just trying to make sure people are using it day to day, sharing success stories. Um, yeah, we're kind of trying to also build some GPTs around um, for our ABM strategy and see how we can create content for accounts at scale because obviously ChatGPT can pull information from across the web you don't have to do that kind of one by one and you can yeah so we're testing out things like that so um so yeah just keeping a, a drift of that um i think is one of the biggest changes we're, we're seeing yeah yeah i agree uh, i definitely agree especially the attribution parts uh and yeah, like the, the way we define attribution has changed. The way we define the whole journey has changed. Uh, are you using any tools to track attribution? And even if not, what tools you are using right now? Yeah, so we do have Visible, um, which is helping us track all the different touch points. And, um, and we're kind of working on what is that that attribution model of those different touch points and you know making sure that that makes sense um, and then as I said we're trying to kind of bring um, gong uh, insights and categories into Salesforce so that we can really see what was the the source and compare that to what the uh, original sources and then try and compare that as well. So they're the tools that we're using to track attribution um, right now. Uh, we have Marketo as our kind of um, tool for um, managing our leads and, and that goes into Salesforce as well. So yeah. Marketo is the name that I haven't heard for a while. And uh, finally, the one question that uh, we always like to end on. What one thing would you tell marketers to start, stop and continue doing based on the current marketing landscape? Yeah, so I think I would say to either start or continue, depending if, if you're already doing this, but really being close to the buyer as a marketing function, like really understanding um, what the buyer needs, what their pain points are and um, whether that's listening to demos or speaking to sales reps or speaking to um, prospects or clients directly, um, there's so much value in, in that information. And obviously as a marketing function, you're going to create better content. You're going to be um, investing in areas that are more relevant if, if you know and understand the buyer as much as possible. And so something we're also trying to work on is, <clears throat> you know, gathering all the insights because there's so many demos ha that happen every week. You can't watch all of them. So uh, trying to like pull all that information into um, trends and identify like, oh, maybe there's a content piece that we can create around this trend that we're picking up on across multiple demos. Um, so that's something we're trying to do. Um, so I'd say start, 
or continue being close to the buyer. And then I would also say um, stop, um, yeah, stop taking too long to make a decision. And, you know, if something's not working, then just uh, make the call and um, bite the bullet, I suppose, and not take too long to, to make that final change if something because if you need to allocate resources somewhere else it's going to take um it's going to yeah take up your resources if you if you keep going for too long so that's why i would add there okay very different and like you have to kill your darlings uh that's the motto uh if it is not working just kill it exactly yes <laughs> well thank you so much for joining today amy it was such an amazing call Thank you, Jambek. It's uh, great to to be to be here and chat to you, and really appreciate it. Thanks so much.